Martin. I invite you to be seated as I release the kids through fourth grade and step into the recombobulation area to put my mic on. Sometimes I find myself getting swept into the worship and forget that I'm the next one up, and then, and <laughs> yeah, I know, and then, and then it's like, oh yeah, that's right, it's me now. Ah, uh, boy, I am so glad to be with you today. I'm so glad to be opening this part of God's word, and and I, I'm especially glad because. The Lord really went ahead of this message in, in a powerful way, and I would love to tell you that he does that every week, and I believe he does, but, but as I put together the sermon series for the year, I usually do that in November or December of the year before, and uh, as I did that this year, and then to come to a place where Vacation Bible School got chosen, and Vacation Bible School ends on the same week as we're going to be talking about the armor of God. I love that, that God has stepped ahead of us. And so this message that he has for us today is significant, I believe. It's significant because our kids have been engaged with this passage all week. And could I say it's lingering in the air here? And so God, even as we recognize that and realize that we come before you humbly, we bow our knees before you, Lord, saying, you've gone ahead and you knew everybody who would be in this room, and you knew everyone who would hear this message. And so, God, I pray that you would speak clearly through me, Lord, and get me out of the way and speak what you need to speak. And then, Father, open our hearts and open our ears and open our minds. Take away the clutter and the distraction that would keep us from hearing from you, that we could go from this place prepared for the battle that rages around us. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, this last week as I was preparing the message, it seemed fitting that on Thursday I should go see the new Spider-Man movie, all right? So how many of you have, have goes, yeah, all right, we're there, buddy, okay, so, uh, oh, there's one, okay. So these superhero movies, right, and, and, and we see them, there's a lot of them, and, and, and they have a following, and then, and, you know, to a degree, it's... I remember when I was in high school and I used to buy the magazines. My mom called them comic books. I prefer to think of them as magazines, but they're comic books. And so, um, but I remember that I would step into this and, and to, to imagine what it would be like to be one of those superheroes who had stepped into cosmic battle and could be used in a, in a powerful way against the forces of evil. And, and, and there's this fantasy that takes over. And, and it's interesting because we've now gotten to a day and age where the special effects are so good that there'll be parts in your movie where you'll say, boy, I don't believe that part. And you're like, you're in a movie that's make-believe. Can't believe any of this, right? And, and, but, but yet there's this overwhelming desire that we have, and I believe it's been placed by God in our hearts to be involved in this cosmic battle. And it's especially true for those of us who've come to a saving knowledge of Christ and are part of his army, if you will. And so this passage this week allows us to step in and realize that we truly are engaged in a cosmic battle of good and evil. And your note sheet there on the small group questions, which, which are there for you every week, it says, 
The final thought Paul has is a call to remember that in order to walk worthy of the calling, you must realize you cannot walk in the world without the armor of the Lord. We're soldiers in the army of the Lord, and we can neglect that and run into battle in shorts and flip-flops. Metaphorically, we, if we don't understand this battle, the cosmic nature of this battle, we just run in without being armored up and quite unwise. We can also run in all alone, also unwise. There's a way to do battle against the forces of evil that are real and that are all around us. Standing firm, united together, with the armor of the Lord in place, calling on his might and his power so that we may persevere. So let's look at the text, and let's see what God has to say for us. Amen? Amen. So the big idea for today is that the battle requires preparation. If we're going to step into battle, we need to be prepared. And so the first step of being prepared is to recognize the enemy. If you're going into battle, one of the most important things is to recognize who the enemy is. And so uh, recognizing the enemy, and Paul says three things, and for each of the points, I'm going to have three things that, that we need to look at. For us, when we recognize the enemy, we realize we need to be strong and put on and stand against. There's action that's needed. We need to be doing things. And so, so the text says, um, finally, verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Paul steps in there and he says, listen, you need to be strong. And, and you need to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against these schemes of the devil. And it's so important for us to see that. And, and as it says, be strong in this passage, in this verse, it, it really is, you look at it, the original language, it's this idea of continually being strengthened. All right, it's not just one time and done, and, and sometimes be strong can be like that, but it's this idea of continually being strengthened. If you're going to be prepared for battle and you're going to recognize the enemy, you have to continually be strengthening yourself. I know we have some people in the church here who are part of the National Guards, and they have to go occasionally for training so that they're prepared, so that when the battle comes, they're ready to go. So there's this idea of constantly or continually being strengthened. And you'll remember that in, in chapter 3, uh, verse 16 of Ephesians, as Paul was talking to them, he said to them that, you, that his prayer was that they would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit of God in their inner being. And so there's this idea of being strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his might, and the strength of his might is his mighty power. And that mighty power, chapter 1, talks about how that's the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. So the idea that is, as we realize and recognize, we're strengthening ourselves in our inner being, the very inner part of who we are, with all the strength of God that is in us. So we're tapping into that strength, because if we're going to go into battle, we need to go into battle armed with what God has brought into our lives. And we need to put on that whole armor of God, not just part of it. We need to have the whole armor on, and that's necessary in order for us to stand against these schemes of the devil. See, the devil is scheming against you. The devil's scheming against you. And the devil's been scheming against people ever since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He schemes against us because he hates us, and he hates us because he hates God. But he's also scheming against us 
because what he's scheming is how he can get us to worship him instead of God. Because what Satan wants more than anything is the worship that's due God. And that's why he imitates God in so many ways. So that those who aren't wise to his schemes will fall into worshiping him instead of worshiping God. You have been designed by God to worship. You will worship something. You will worship somebody. It's been designed in you. And so Satan schemes to take that part of you that's been designed to worship God and cause you to worship him. And, and he's scheming for that to happen. Now, some of your translations maybe, maybe say um, to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles. And so as I thought of that, and this is... He's wily. And when I thought of wily, because of the way my brain works, I went to wily coyote, right? And, and that, that's funny, and it puts a, it puts a smile on our face because it's a great cartoon. You know, there's this coyote who's constantly trying, and, and he's, he's, he's wily, and he's thinking of all these schemes of ways to, to, to put the roadrunner to death. But he never succeeds. And that's what's really cool about that analogy. And we understand every analogy breaks down at some point, but, but that one's really cool because really... Satan's schemes, if we understand things, they fall way short of what's needed to take us out. And the roadrunner basically runs through those things oblivious to the fact that, that, that the coyote's going through all these plans and schemes. And see, what, what Paul is saying, listen, if you're strong in the Lord, you put on the armor, and you get this right, you are going to be able to stand against these schemes. They, they will just fall away from you. Because he says, remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't. We wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Listen, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our wrestle is not against people. And, and this verse, I mean, when you stop and think about the cosmic battle, and if you are into those, those, those fantasies or whatever it may be, to stop and think that there is a cosmic battle going on, and it's huge. And it's bigger than anything you could even begin to imagine. And the truth is, because of the schemes of the devil, many of us never engage the enemy. Because through his schemes, he has us attacking each other. See, our, our wrestle isn't against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against these cosmic authorities. This this powers over this present darkness and see we live in a present darkness and we talked about that Paul talked about that in his letter and he talked about how there's a darkness that oversees this world and there's a ruler of this present darkness and it's a pretender prince and 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 he's the the prince of this evil age and this darkness that overwhelms because of sin and, and yet God has brought us into this kingdom of light through salvation in his son Jesus Christ, amen? And so as we look at that, we consider that our battle is against the rulers of this whole dark age and, and they are they're tremendous force. 
Somewhere between the throne room of God and earth in these heavenly realms, there's a cosmic battle going on. And instead, what happens is Satan distracts us and causes us to wrestle against flesh and blood. So we put on the whole armor of God. And listen, we don't put on the whole armor of God so that we can stand up against friendly fire. And so many times I think that's what happens. I love that we live in a county where where our pastors get together. Every other week we have a a prayer time for the pastors in the area where we get together and we pray. And, And then once a month we get together in an even bigger group and we gather together and we we pray and we talk about how can we how can we unite together? Because you see, we're not fighting against each other. See, friendly fire is this idea, the firing of weapons, Merriam-Webster says, firing of weapons from one's own forces or those of an ally, especially when resulting in accidental death or injury of one's own personnel. See, Jesus is building his church, amen? And, And he's building his church, and believe it or not, all the people of his church don't fit in this in this sanctuary. He's building this this huge church, and it's powerful. And Satan loves to get us attacking each other, and there's no cause for that. So as we get together as pastors, we're not talking about, oh, man, I feel bad because your church is bigger, and this, and oh, these people went, who cares? Jesus is building his church, and we're working together to pray for that because our battle isn't against each other. I'm not battling against the pastor down the road. You you get that, right? That's that's not my battle. My battle is against the evil one, see? And he's the the one who was over in the corner pointing at the pastor down the road, telling me that that's no way. See, we don't do that. And even the people who are swept away by this present darkness. We have to be careful that we're not, we're not attacking those people, the captives. The captives are not who we're battling against. We're battling against the captor. The captor is wily, and he's got plans. So... This battle requires preparation. And first we see we need to recognize the enemy. And the enemy is the evil one, Satan. And he's there and he's real. And we need to be strong. We need to put on the armor so we can stand against him. And so Paul says next, you got to armor up. Once you recognize who this, who this enemy is, you need to armor up. You need to get this armor on so that you can withstand. You need to take up and stand firm. Withstand, take up, stand firm. And what does that look like for us? Verse 13, it says, Therefore, take up, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So we need to withstand. And so there's this idea that this is like stand your ground. It means stand your ground. And so this, this darkness that used to be a part of who we are, as that darkness comes and tries to suck us in, we stand against that. See, so the reason that we put on this armor, the reason we armor up, if you will, is so that we can stand against that pull of the darkness that's constant in our lives. And we take up that armor of God so that we can stand firm. So stand against, we need to be standing firm in doing that because the day that we're in is evil. See, we need to be able to withstand in the evil day. 
Now in chapter 5, verse 16, um, Paul has spoken about that. And he said that we need to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. That we need to be careful about how we use our time. Making the best use of our time. Because these days are evil. And that's what Paul is getting at in this present context when he says that we're going to be able to stand in the evil day. But it seems like he's indicating there's another day coming that's the evil day. So not only are we standing in this present darkness and the evil that's here, but we're also getting ready because there is another evil day coming. See, Satan is ramping up. We understand and know that. The more victories he gets... And as they just fuel his ego, if you will, and he just continues to, to grow and, and he continues and he's moving towards evil. He won't be happy until the world is completely wiped out by evil, which will never happen. And so we look at that and we see him battling for that and we realize we need to stand firm. And the way that we stand, Paul says, therefore, is having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, and in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul says, listen, this battle is real, and it's raging, and it's all around us. And it's, it's so strong that there's no way you can stand against this battle unless you armor up. And so this idea that we just run in in shorts and flip-flops and come in in some cavalier way just isn't true. You must be armored up if we're going to go into this battle. If we're going to stand against these forces, this is the armor that we need to put on. Now many people have thought and said that probably what happened, and Acts talks about the fact that when Paul was in prison or house arrest, he was guarded by Roman guards. And so it's very possible, we don't know, it's very possible that as, as Paul looked at the Roman guard, maybe because we know he was in prison as he was writing this, this letter to the church in Ephesus, and maybe as he thought and considered about the, the spiritual forces that they're standing against, the, the forces of this present darkness, maybe he reflected on his time when he was there in Ephesus and the riot took place. Remember, a big riot that took place and, and the whole stadium filled with people, 20, 30,000 people. And for two hours, they cried out, great is Artemis of Ephesus. Can you imagine being in that stadium and hearing those people chant that loudly over and over two hours? Great is Satan. Great is the wicked one. Great is the evil one. Crying out over and over and over. And Paul knew that was the community that he was writing to. And he thought, I, I need to help them understand what it means to get armored up so they can stand against that force. And listen, as he's telling them, we can grab hold of that for ourselves too. Because we have people all over the place who are crying, great is the wickedness of Satan, great is the evil of Satan, and great is his influence, and they are worshiping him because his schemes have led them away from God. 
And so we need to armor up. And listen, this is a cosmic battle. And so I did an, uh, a, a Google search for an image, and, and Bill Osborne is an artist who has some really great images out there that help you, help you see the word of God and put it into these images. And I thought this image helps, helps you understand that, listen, this is a battle. This, this dude here is ready to go into war, Right? I mean, he, he's ready, and he's, he's looking, and, and the thing is, is he, he doesn't seem to be intimidated, does he? He seems like, I'm good. I've got my armor on, and I think as we think of Roman soldiers, and we think of the fact that they'd get their armor on, and then they'd link arm in arm, and they'd go into battle, they were ready. And so Paul's saying, listen, you need to be ready in the same way a Roman soldier is. And the people he's talking to would have grabbed onto this, and they would have caught it. So he says, listen, the first thing you need to do is you need to get this belt of truth fastened around you. There needs to be a belt of truth, and that belt of truth would have been a leather belt, would have gone around, maybe had some straps that came down on the thighs, and it would be things that other things would hang on this belt, and so that belt would be the first thing that would hold everything together, if you will. And for us as believers, that belt is truth. There is truth. There is a truth, and that truth is absolute. And listen, that truth that is absolute is what holds you when you go into battle. Because listen, the language of our enemy, now that we recognize our enemy, the language of our enemy is deceit and lies. He is filled with lies and he is filled with deceit. And he will do whatever he can to twist your thought process and to believe in what he says is true. And he's influenced the whole world in that, in some of the most silly ways. There's things I look at and somebody will say something and it's like, that's not true. And they're like, oh yeah, it's true. You're like, not, you know, two plus two is four. I'm sorry. No, it's not. What? It's not subjective. And, and so, but you know, there's these silly things that are happening. And listen, so if we're going to go into the battle, the number one thing we need to know is the truth, God's truth. And we need to not back down from that truth. Because that truth is what holds everything together. And the second thing we need to do is we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness. And that breastplate, as I think about armor and I think about Roman soldiers, I think that that, that probably was one of the most important pieces of armor. Because there's all sorts of stuff. If my lungs get punctured, if my heart gets punctured, that's, that's devastating. Could be catastrophic, more than likely. And so I really want to have something strong to cover my breastplate. And, and that breastplate of righteousness that he talks about. And, and for, for the common soldier, it would have been a brass uh, uh, breastplate, but, but as, as a soldier got more accomplished and got richer, there would be chain maul added to that. So it would be even more effective in defending. And so Paul says, listen, the breastplate that you need to put on is a breastplate of righteousness. And that righteousness shows itself because I need a righteousness beyond my own. And so that righteousness of Christ, Paul talks about in Philippians, is the righteousness of Christ that's credited to my account. So I have that breastplate of righteousness, but there's more to this. There's, there's more to this. Paul, Paul has just spent a better part of two chapters calling his people to realize that, that they need to obey that, that there's a righteousness that's needed. That, listen, when we move from this realm of darkness and this realm of sin into this realm of light and this realm of God, see, we do what's right. 
He has, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to ask, act justly, to do the right things. He who has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. See, it's this idea of, of obedience that's, that's fueled by the love of God and an understanding of the love of God for me. And so the breastplate of righteousness, what protects my heart and my lungs and my life breath is, is this idea that I'm going to obey God. And I'm going to take his righteousness, credit it to my account by his grace and through his power, and I'm going to do the right thing. And when people talk about you in the community, are they talking about that guy does the right thing? That girl does what's right. And then my, my feet, the readiness given by the gospel of PC, ready to go into battle. And the boots that are shown here, but, but they could have been sandals as well, laced up the calves and, and hobnails on the bottom. So this idea that, that there's a readiness, I'm ready to go into battle. And the reason I'm ready to go into battle is because of the gospel of peace. Paul says in Romans 5 that since we've been justified by Christ, since we've been made right with Christ, we have peace with God. See, I'm ready to go into battle because I have peace with God. I have a peace that comes. I understand that I'm not part of that darkness anymore. I, I have peace with God. Now, Satan loves to come against me. I, I don't know about you, but Satan loves to come against me and fill me with, with, with guilt and shame. And, and that guilt and shame comes from a lack of understanding of, of who I am in Christ. See, I, he loves telling me, you don't deserve to be saved. You don't deserve to talk to God. You don't deserve to be in, you know what you did. And, and he's constantly pointing these things in my life, and lots of times I help him. But listen, the gospel of peace tells me I'm at peace with God. I have repented from my sin. I have turned from that. I've confessed my sin to God. And so he has taken away my sin. And he, and, and he has made me righteous before him. And I have a peace that comes from that. I can go into battle against the evil one because his, his words are ineffective against me as I stand in this power that comes from knowing I'm at peace with God. And I go to battle against him. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. This shield of faith, and many times for a Russian or Roman foot soldier, it would be a wood shield about two and a half feet by four feet, and it would be covered with canvas, then covered with leather. And as they went into battle, they'd dip that thing in water. And then they'd make it heavier, but then they'd be able to carry it. And as they carried it, it would be so filled with water that when those flaming darts came it would put them right out. And I love that image, don't you? Because listen, those flaming darts of doubt from the evil one come at you all the time, don't they? Did God really say? Did God really? Did, did God really say that? Is God really good? Is God really kind? Does God really care? See, those, those arrows of dart that he, doubt, doubt that he fires at you, when you have that shield of faith, you say, of course God cares. Of course God loves me. Of course God knows what's going on in my life right now. 
Of course. You see, so when I go into battle against the evil one, my faith in who God is and who he's promised he'll be and in his keeping of the promises that he's had all through the Hebrew Scriptures and all through as he continues to make good on his promises, that strengthens my faith, strengthens my shield, and allows me to take those darts of doubt from the evil one and watch them just go and fly away. The next thing he says is, listen, take on this helmet of salvation. And that's, that's huge because the helmet has to protect my head. And my head, oh, as much as I want to be, as much as I want my heart doing what, a lot of times it's my head. I need to protect what I'm thinking. Any of you have any sort of stinking thinking, right? Yeah. And I need to protect my thinking. Now, it's interesting. All the other stuff that we've been talking about so far, it's talking about taking it up and putting it on, those kinds of things. But here, when we come to the helmet, it says, take the helmet of, of salvation. Take it. And that reminds me of chapter 2, where, where, where Paul reminds them that we are saved not by ourselves. See, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Your salvation is a gift from God. So listen, if I'm going to take the helmet, I'm taking the gift of God. That, that gift that God has offered to you. And oh, I pray that each one of you have done this. I pray that each one of you have come to understand that, listen, apart from God, you're trapped in darkness, worshiping a pretender prince, and, and, and you're trapped in that darkness, and you're trapped in the wrath of God. But that, listen, Jesus came, and Jesus died, and made it possible for you to come and, and repent and turn from that and, and be freed from that realm of darkness and brought into this realm of light as you repent to God, and you say, God, oh, I realize the things that I've been doing. I've been, I've been trying to live my life on my own terms. Instead of yours, I repent of those things, and I ask that you'd forgive me, and because of the blood of Jesus, you experience that forgiveness, and you take that gift of freedom from darkness, of, 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 of freedom from being under the wrath of God. And you take that and you put it on and you begin to guard the thoughts of your mind. And, and, and you begin to guard your head and you're ready to go into battle. And then the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you take hold of this sword, and, and many times, yes, this is an offensive weapon, but it's defensive as well. If you've watched sword fights, and, and, and the sword defends as well as, as becomes a, a weapon of offense. And so if we're going to go into battle, we have to be ready with the word of God, which is not only the truth that's belted around us, but truth that's able to reach in and help others. I got an email from someone after they came to see me. Honestly, I was not that grateful when I first left your office. I had this idea of what our appointment would look like. I would tell you my stories, the issues I'm dealing with, and you would tell me how to fix it. I wanted the quick fix you were going to lay out for me, a step-by-step how-to guide on how to defeat my problem. We didn't talk about my problems. Instead, you spent an hour reading scripture to me pertaining to who I was in Christ. I can't fix your problems. I'm having enough time with my own. But listen, I know, I know the word. And I know the word can step into your life 
and this truth can come, and, and the wounded soldier that you are, that the word of God can come into your life, and it can bring truth into your life, and it can touch you at that place of your deepest hurt and pain, and it can bring healing, and sometimes that means something needs to be removed, and it becomes a surgical instrument. This person went on to say that they were so grateful that that's what I did because it's the, it's the learning how to use the word of God that will allow you to stand against the enemy. So Paul says we need to be prepared for battle. We need to recognize the enemy. We need to armor up, and then we need to persevere in prayer persevere in prayer. We need to keep alert, kneel down, persevere. One of my favorite authors, S.D. Gordon, in his book, Quiet Talks on Prayer, 1904. In one of his strong, piled-up, climatic sentences, Paul tells how the fight is to be won. This sentence runs unbroken through verses 14 and 20 inclusive. There are six preliminary clauses in it leading up to its main statement. These clauses name the pieces of armor used by a Roman soldier in the action of battle. The loins girt, the breastplate on, the feet shod, the shield, the helmet, the sword, and so on. A Roman soldier reading this or hearing Paul preach on it would expect him to finish with the sentence by saying, with all your fighting strength, fight! This would be the proper conclusion rhetorically of this sentence. But when Paul reaches the climax... With his usual intensity, he drops the rhetorical figure and puts the thing which is, in our case, the fighting is done with all prayer praying. In place of the expected word fighting is the word praying. The thing with which fighting is done is put in the place of the word itself. Our fighting is praying. Praying is fighting, spirit fighting. We are in the thick of a fight. The war is on. How then shall we best fight? First, get into good shape. And then, with all your praying strength and skill, pray. That word praying is the climax of this long sentence and of the whole epistle. This is the sort of action that turns the enemy's flank and reveals his heels. He simply cannot stand before persistent knee work. I love that. Listen, we look at this passage so many times, and I know for me, I look at these, these images of the armor of God, and I think I need to put on the armor of God. And listen, I miss why I need to put on the armor of God. So Paul says in verse 18, you need to put on the armor of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So see, we need to get real about this. We need to keep alert. We need to be looking. We need to be seeing. And when something comes up and it appears to be a person that we need to be getting upset with, we need to look behind and see where's the enemy. We need to be alert. And then when we see the enemy, we need to kneel down. We need to be praying. So when we see that enemy... We have to think of ourselves, i got to drop down to my knees and call on the only one who can win this battle, and that's God, because this battle in the cosmic realm is too big for us. And so we kneel down, we pray, and we do that with perseverance. And this idea of perseverance, it means tenacity, that, that we're, we're 
We're tenacious in the way that we pursue God in the midst of this. We get that armor on. We wouldn't dare step into a, to a, a, a war against the cosmic forces of this present darkness without having this armor on, without understanding truth, without doing what's right. Without, without having that helmet of salvation, without understanding the gospel of peace, and without knowing how the truth can be used in a powerful way by God. And we get all that ready, and then we see the attack, and then we move in with tenacity, and we begin to pray. And we do that together. See, this is guided it's, it's in the spirit. It's guided by God. It's, it's, it's in lockstep with him as the spirit moves us. We respond in prayer. And that's how God begins to do his work in this world. And so we need to realize and understand how important this is. And we need to be tenaciously praying with our armor on for all the saints at all times. We need to be praying always. We need to understand that it is battle. Paul says, you need to pray for me. And he's in prison. And so he says, you need to pray for me. You need to pray I'll get out of prison. You need to pray someone and come and break me out. You need to pray, you need to pray that, that, that this situation will go away and that I'll be more comfortable. That's not what Paul asked for. He says, listen, pray for me. And you need to pray so that when I open my mouth, I'll proclaim the mystery of the gospel and I'll do that boldly because that's why I'm in my chains. I'm an ambassador in chains. The chains are in my life because I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ and this is where he needs me to be as his soldier right now. So what are your chains? Where are you held right now? And why are you there? You're there to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're there to get your armor on, kneel down, and begin to pray. And, and, and then you're, you're there to declare the word of God in the midst of where you are. Because in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, I've overtaken this world. And so we look at this and we think of this. And we think, really, could it be this easy? Could it be that that we just need to pray? That, that's it? I found this quote from R.A. Torrey. When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, knows how to pray, and really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, that that devil, he trembles as much as he ever did. And he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Amen. Are we ready to declare that here? See, that, that requires that we get into this together. This requires that we, we pray together, that we get serious about this, that we get our armor on and we get involved in this and that, and that we're coming into this and when we see someone who's having trouble getting on the breastplate of righteousness, that instead of attacking them, we go over and help them get their breastplate on. And, and when, we, when we see someone who's not feeling the peace that comes from the gospel, we go over and we give them those amazing words that will help them understand that they're at peace with God, that they're not who Satan says they are, they're who God says they are. And we need to get together in that, and then we need to come together in prayer. We need to agree in prayer. 
And we need to storm the gates of hell, if you will. And, and we need to be standing strong because, listen, he's out there and he's scheming against us. And I want to see him tremble. And the way that happens is as we join together. One of the reasons we've changed the bulletin to look like it is is so that those two center pages are there so that you can take those home and you can begin to pray over those and we're praying together. And, and, and I don't know how many of you do that, but I, I'd urge you to begin to do that. Take that home. Now, it may not be that we're all in the same room physically, but we're all in the same throne room. Amen? And I often stop and think of how many times if I could look over when I'm in the throne room of God and I say, oh, there's John, John Couget. He's praying too right now. And we're together in our prayers. See, and that, that's the case. Now, it's good when we come together too because the Holy Spirit moves when church comes together. So I'm gonna urge you to come. We have all sorts of prayer times and you can see them in your bullet. We've got moms and prayers. We've got all sorts of stuff. You check it out, come. And if you can't make it, then grab a couple of people. Grab your wife for crying out loud if you're not praying with her, all right? And, and grab some people. Start praying with them. Because listen, let's make him tremble. So what? So what? Do you recognize the enemy, first of all? Do you recognize the enemy? Are you armored up? You got your armor up? Do you really persevere in prayer? Are you tenacious about it? One thing, just one thing that you can change this week. Now mark the keenness of Paul's description of the man who does most effective work in praying. There are six qualifications. A clear understanding of truth, clean, obedient life, earnest servant, strongly simple trust in God, clear assurance of one's own salvation, relation to God, and good grip of truth. These things prepare a man for the real conflict of prayer. Such a man praying drives back the hosts of the traitor prince. Such a man praying is invincible in his chief, Jesus. The equipment is simple, and its beginnings come quickly to the willing, earnest heart. <laughs> oh, God. May we understand and realize this is not for super-Christians. This is for each one of us. Each one of us has this power available to us as we place your armor on us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times we run into battle without you, shorts and flip-flops, just thinking somehow we can be effective in our own strength. Lord, help us. Help us as a church. Help us as a community to get serious about putting this armor on and going into battle, persevering in prayer. The enemy is too great for us, God but he's not too great for you. So bind us together for your glory and in your name we pray, amen.